Thank you, husband. And you guys should know this, Mike can't sing, but he can dance. So if you were at family camp, you probably saw him on the dance floor. I think you should do us a quick little one-two right here, right here. Mike, come on. I'm serious. Yeah, no, actually, I'm serious. Michael Taylor Morgan. Do we have some, like, Michael Jackson? <laughs> okay. All right. Have a seat. All right. We'll go to the, we'll go to the club later. Uh, hello. Good morning, Bel Air family. Woo! Love you guys. Uh, I'm so excited to be here this morning to kick off a new sermon series, Biblical Leadership, what we can learn from Bible characters um, for the next four weeks, how we can apply the principles that they teach us in our lives today, in our world today. So I want to know, what is your reaction to being called a leader? Some of you might be very comfortable with that. You're like, I'm a doctor, I'm a CEO, I'm a teacher. I'm really comfortable with being called a leader. And some of you might be like, you know what, that's not me. I'm kind of more of a behind the scenes person, don't really lead anything. And to that I wanna say, I wanna ask, what is your definition of leadership? Because I believe that leadership at its very like foundational core level is about influence. Influence. Who are you influencing? And as Christ followers, we're called, commanded, actually, to influence those around us. Behaviors, actions, attitudes. Who are we influencing? And I think that the perfect starting point for us today is going to be found in Judges chapter 4. We're going to look at Deborah. If you turn with me now in your pew Bibles, it's on page 191. And here we find the story of Deborah. She was a prophet and a judge. She modeled exceptional leadership during a very difficult time in Israel's history. And I think she's got something special for us today. Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 16, 23 and 24. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosheth Hagoim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly 20 years. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will drive out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon and, his, and with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh. Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 warriors went up with him. And Deborah went up with him. Now Heber the Kenite 
had separated from the other Kenites, that is, the descendants of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, and had encamped as far away as Elanon Bezananim, which is near Kadesh. When Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the troops who were with him, from the Harasheth Hagoim to the Wadi Kishon. Then Deborah said to Barak, Up, up, for this is the day on which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. The Lord is indeed going out before you. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 warriors following him. And the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and all his army into a panic before Barak. Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot, while Barak pursued the chariots and the army to Harasheth Hagoim. All the army of Sisera fell by the sword. No one was left. Verse 23. So on that day, God subdued King Jabin of Canaan before the Israelites. The hand of the Israelites bore harder and harder on King Jabin of Canaan until they destroyed King Jabin of Canaan. This, my friends, is the reading of God's word. So you probably noticed that we skipped a big section in there. I'm just going to say a little disclaimer about it. Some of you are laughing. You know this story. Um, it's a little R-rated. Read it later when the kids are asleep. There's a tent peg involved and an amazing woman named JL, but that's for another sermon another time. So stay, keep your attention with me right now. We're going to just plug in here to the judges. So we're going to recap a little. So the book of Judges is this record of ups and downs in Israel's history. And as we read, it was a history that was often dark and disobedient. And we see this phrase repeated over and over again in the book of Judges. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Now what was evil in the sight of the Lord exactly? Well, chapter 2, you don't need to turn there, but chapter 2 gives us a little bit of a description of what's happening here. I'm just going to read a couple things. They abandoned Yahweh and followed other gods, the gods of the people who were around them. And they provoked the Lord to anger, for they lusted after other gods and bowed down to them and turned aside from the way their ancestors walked. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Los Angeles, I mean Israel. So God responds to this disobedience and sells them into the hand of King Jabin. And the Israelites, shocker, I know, cry out to God for help. Because Sisera, and it says, because Sisera, Jabin's commander, had 900 iron chariots. 900 iron chariots. Now this is an important detail because this is just to highlight how incredible and enormous the military power was for Jabin and his army. This was a bleak situation for the Israelites. Then, enter the star of the show, Deborah. What do we know about her? We know that she was a prophet, and like Moses, Miriam, and Samuel that came, she was literal spokesperson for God, for the entire community. She had wisdom, revelation, authority that came from the Lord, and through her to all the people. She was a judge. The people of Israel would come up to her and she would settle disputes among them. She would interpret covenantal law for them. When there was no king, a, jug, a judge functioned as the highest level of civic authority. It says she was a wife to Lapidoff. Wife can also be translated as woman here. We see wife, woman being interchanged a lot in the Hebrew scriptures. So it could be woman. And Lapidoff means fiery torches. 
woman of fiery torches. Some scholars translate this as spirited woman. Where are my spirited women at today? Come on, I know you, and you, and you, all you. I mean, it's a good thing. Who's married to a spirited woman? Why, why don't you guys want to raise your hands? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so she was a spirited woman, I just love that. So as a leader, Deborah was many things. An extraordinary woman who was not restricted by the patriarchal culture of her time, but instead she rose up as a model of faith, courage, and strength in a time of idolatry, oppression, and unrest. So let's go back to the text and let's learn a little bit of what she's got to say to us. There's three leadership principles that Deborah models that we can all learn from that's going to make us better, leader, better leaders, better influencers in our world today. And by influencer people, I don't mean like, I'm gonna give you 100,000 Instagram followers by the end of the day, okay? Not that type of influencer, although maybe. So just hang on for like a hashtag or something, because it's coming, I think, maybe. So notice verse six. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam from Kadesh and Naphtali, and said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel commands you, go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. Deborah's saying to Barak, God wants you to call 10,000 weary and oppressed men and bring them into battle against somebody who's way more equipped than they are and kind of lethal. Okay, but God wants to use this as an opportunity for your leadership. He wants to work in and through you to free his people from their oppressor. Now we assume that Barak was some sort of leader here, but we don't actually know that. The text doesn't say this. We have no title or resume for him. Yet God chooses him and uses Deborah to draw out his leadership potential. A good leader, if you're taking notes, number one, a good leader draws out leadership potential in others. Now, most leaders have had this experience of someone drawing them out before they were leaders or prior to a new role that they took. I know I have. The pastors have done this for me. So Pastor Care, if you know Pastor Care, she years ago first asked me to speak in front of a thousand women for the first time. And I was like a deer in headlights looking back at her. But she coached me and she nudged me and I stepped into that. Drew, Pastor Drew, he asked me to preach for the first time this year. And that was scary for me. And it took trust on his part, but he believed in me and he drew out that potential. Kim Dore, Reverend Kim Dore Tilly, she's done this for me. She's encouraged me to use gifts even when it was scary and uncomfortable. And Mike's my husband, so I shouldn't even have to say it, but like 2 a.m. when I'm feeling like an attack from the enemy about my call and my gifting, he's there saying, this is who you are and this is what you were made to do. We need people to speak into our lives to see the potential and to say, you can do this. How many, how many of you have had this uh, happen to you? Maybe at this church or in your life, has, somebody has looked at you and said, you have gifts. I see this in you. Raise your hand. Yeah, raise your hand. Raise them up. A lot of us have had these experiences and it makes a huge difference. We need leaders like Deborah to speak boldly about the truth of God's call on our lives, the call to be influencers for his kingdom, to step out of what feels safe and manageable 
into what is brave and a holy purpose. I want you to think about this. Who needs your voice? Who needs you to say, I see this in you? Actually, think of a name. Take a minute, write it down. Is there somebody that you need to encourage in this way? Allie North did this for me. You remember that? I'll never forget it. Raise your hand, girl. Raise it. Raise it up. We don't know each other very well. She came up to me. This was months and months ago, like last year. And she said to me, God is going to use you to speak. She didn't know. She didn't know my story. I didn't know my story. She, we had no idea. And she spoke this encouragement to me. She drew out potential in me by that word of affirmation. I'm never going to forget that. So let's look back at verse 8. I love this exchange. <laughs> verse 8. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Come again? <laughs> Sorry, what? what? <laughs> Probably not the response um, that Deborah was expecting, um, but so human, so relatable. She's saying, he's saying, are you willing to put your money where your mouth is? Because yeah, this is like asking me to, um, basically it's like a death sentence. Sounds impossible. Remember the 900 chariots of iron, Deborah? Yeah, I'm not going to do that unless you go with me. So, these iron chariots, oh, have I mentioned they're iron? <laughs> Has the text mentioned they're iron? It, they, it says it like five times. We get it, they're iron. Um, yeah, they were fitted probably with like studs and sharp points at this time, and they would be devastating driven through an infantry. So the equivalent today would be something like going, going up against an army that has an air force, and you've got like slingshots and spears. The Israelites did not stand a chance. They were practically weaponless. So this makes logical sense that Barak would respond this way. He's basically saying, I'm going to put my life on the line. I need you to be willing to do the same. I need your certainty as a weapon beside me. I need your faith to help me face this battle. And how does Deborah respond? And she said, I will surely go with you. I will surely go with you. She could have responded in so many ways. She could have said, excuse me, do you know who's in charge? Uh, God is commanding you. Or she could have said, you know, I have like a line of prophetic work I got to get to. And like my judicial schedule is really kind of crazy right now. So good luck to you, sir. Go get him. But she doesn't do that. She says, I will surely go with you. Taking a hard left here. So I'm a spin class person. Who are my spin class people? Spin, Peloton, raise your hands. Don't be shy. We're not shy people. Come on, people on this side. Any spin class people? I love a good spin class. And the thing is, okay, life is crazy. You've got work. You, I've got school. I've got a toddler. I have a husband that's so hard to manage. And <laughs> I could easily not go to spin class. I could easily be like, I'm exhausted. I'm just not going to do that. But you know what brings me back to spin class are these instructors. 
these teachers. The front being like, we're doing this together. I'm with you in this. They're not walking around like drinking an iced tea being like, yeah, harder, 90% effort, let's go, high intensity interval training. Like you need, we need our leaders to do what they want us to do, to go where they want us to go. There's something so motivating about that. That's like, you're all in, I'm all in. Not in heels, but. So she says, I'm all in and I will surely go with you. Let's do this. Just sit with that response for a second. What did her response do for Barack? This was what he needed, her willingness to essentially risk her life because he would also be risking his. Point number two, note takers, a good leader goes where they're calling people to go. She was willing to enter into this dangerous situation because she knew God would bring victory. Her faith bolstered his faith. And it helped him say yes and step forward in his own leadership. Good leaders call with, go where they're calling others to go, especially when it isn't easy. This isn't like, hey, I'm calling you to work at the beach uh, and I will surely go with you. No, this is about like uncharted territory. This is about like difficult things. Exceptional leaders are willing to do the hard stuff with you. Thirdly, a good leader motivates and champions those they lead. A good leader motivates and champions those they lead. Verse 12, when Sisera heard, dot, 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 he called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron and all the troops that were with him and went to the Wadi Kishon. So Sisera rides out to meet Barak with his troops. And it's important to note here that this must have been during the dry season because if you know what a Wadi is, and by the way, it's Wadi, not weighty. Mike loved me saying this to him. So hashtag Wadi, there's your hashtag. Um, a Wadi is a riverbed, it's a riverbed. So it's dry in the dry season, and it's just flooded during the rainy season. So from Sisera right here, we don't see any hesitation on his part to ride out and confront the Israelites. They're on their way to demolish them. Notice Deborah's leadership at this moment of battle. Verse 14, Deborah says to Barak, up, up, for this is the day on which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand, and the Lord indeed is going out before you. So Sisera went, so Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 warriors following him, and the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and all his army into a panic before Barak. Can you picture this epic moment? I can't help but picture the movie Braveheart. Deborah, all painted, maybe holding a torch or a sword, coming in there. Charge, rise, go. The time has come. Today is the day. Victory is ours. Deborah is there to encourage, to encourage Brock to face his fears. When the work that lies before us appears overwhelming or impossible, leaders remind us to hope. We all need people cheering us on, don't we? Pointing us on toward the mission, reminding us to keep going, to pressing on, to not give up, because God can and will use us to accomplish his purposes, and he will always 
be victorious. Deborah's influence on Barak spurred 10,000 men to free the Israelites. You never know how your influence on one person could impact thousands. So who needs your encouragement? Who needs your encouragement? Who needs your motivation? Like Deborah did with Barak, Jesus calls each of us first to follow, then to lead. He has commanded us, commanded, not a suggestion, to influence the way that he did. John 13, 34 says, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Today, our fight isn't against 900 iron chariots, but it is against hate, racism, and abuse. And it is against oppression and poverty and injustice. And it is against the lies of the enemy that would have us believe that we're worthless, alone, or beyond the reach of a loving father. And this fight isn't in the riverbed of the Kashan, but it is in our neighborhoods, and it is in our relationships, and it is in our hearts. Right before Jesus gives this new commandment to love, he washes the disciples' feet. And it was about a year ago when my son Benny, he was, he was about one, he was in my office hanging out and I have toys in there for him. And you know, he doesn't always like to play with them, he finds you know, other things to play with. And I have this frame in my office on this little side table and it's about eye level for him. And it's a picture, it's an image, we're gonna bring up this image of Christ washing Peter's feet. And the, the frame that I have is actually kind of um, a close-up, so you don't see Peter's face in, in the one that's in my office. You just see Jesus and him washing feet. And Benny's looking at this frame, and he's learning how to speak. He's, you know, learning a few words, and he's seen other images of Jesus. We've talked about Jesus. But he looks at this picture, and then he looks at me. I'm like, Jesus? And he looks back at me for the first time and says, Jesus. And I'll never forget that. This little mind associating the act of our savior, our king, washing feet. <laughs> Jesus, that's who he is. What's interesting also about this picture, and Benny didn't see this, is Peter's reaction and the disciples' reaction. There's this mixed emotion going on of like, who is this? This is not the Messiah that we thought. We were thinking a king, and here you are, you're washing our feet. There's this physical like reaction of Peter of like struggling with this and I wonder is this kind of our struggle today and our thinking about leaders who are our leaders and who we are as leaders Jesus was not concerned with a title or a throne ever he was concerned with serving people 
What are we concerned with? Are we concerned about the same things that Christ was? This image represents also just this paradox of being warriors, being influencers, being leaders for Christ. And it's not easy <laughs> serving and loving people. You would think it would be easy. It's not easy, right? It's hard to love people, especially if they're difficult. Don't look at them right now. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know, I'm the guy behind you again. So Jesus draws out the potential of his disciples to love. Jesus champions us by saying, go, do as I did, love like I loved, and teach others to do the same. And like Barack, we often say, will you come with me? Because this is hard, and it is daunting, and I am weary, and I feel the weight of the gravity of the battle before me, before us as a community. Will you come with me? And Jesus says to our doubts and to our fears and to our insecurities, I will surely go with you. I will surely go with you. And not only will I go with you, as a matter of fact, I will go out before you. So you don't need to be afraid because victory will be mine. In chapter 5, read it later tonight, it's this um, beautiful poetic retelling of these events that Deborah writes. I want you to hear this, picture this. The stars fought from heaven. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishon swept them away. The onrushing torrent, the torrent Kishon, march on my soul with might. March on my soul with might. Might we be leaders who respond to the charge to go where Christ leads us, to encourage others to rise to the challenge, to fight for love, peace, and mercy in a hurting and broken world that is desperate for God. So up, up. Today is the day. Christ is going with us and Christ goes before us and he will be victorious. So march on, march on, dear souls, with might. Pray with me. God, Savior, Redeemer, Leader, you call us to step out and lead like you did, to love like you did. God, I pray that we would each have the courage to listen to that call and to step into those places, those battles that you call us to and that we would be warriors of love and peace in our city, in our neighborhoods. God, we need you. Every hour we need you. Help us to find the comfort in knowing that you go with us and that you go before us, and that you will always be victorious. Amen. <laughs>